What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the fan, to the aspiring pro wrestler, to everybody in between. This is the Manifest Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Alfonso McCree Jr. That's A-L-P-H-O-N-S-O-M-C-C-R-A-E-E Jr. And you can bet on me. And you can bet on the Manifest Wrestling Podcast brought to you by Believe Network. Look, guys, today is the day that we review SmackDown. All right, so let's talk about it because a lot went down on this episode. And um, it ended in a really crazy way. And we're going to we're gonna get to that part. Uh, but let's start from the beginning. So we're live from Calgary, of course. Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Calgary, Alberta, Canada. They're in Winnipeg on Monday, home of Chris Jericho. And uh, on commentary, as news had broken uh, previously, we had uh, we had Kevin Patrick, Michael Cole, and Corey Graves on commentary. Now this was this was a little weird, honestly, for me because I'm like Michael Cole is usually like lead play-by-play commentator, and I thought that's what was going to happen when the announcement was made. But it was weird. It was like a um, it was like a back and forth between Kevin Patrick and Michael Cole. Now I wonder why they made that partnership a thing right there. You know, with Corey Graves. Obviously, Corey Graves is amazing, so no complaints there. But just you know, kind of trying to figure out where their heads are with you know what they were trying to do right there. I'm not entirely 100% sure, but. Uh, one of the weird things was like, you know, at first when the when the show first kicked off, it sounded like, I don't know, it was almost as if, um, you know, we were just kind of not having Michael Cole there. It's like you couldn't even tell that he was there because all you heard was Kevin Patrick and Corey Graves like hyping what was coming up. And then they ended up cutting to, you know, the shot of the commentary table and showing the three of them, but Michael Cole still hadn't said a word. And then they went to a whole video package from that triple threat match between Bianca Belair, Asuka, and Charlotte Flair, and Michael Cole still hadn't said a word. But throughout the night, he ended up saying, you know, enough uh, to, you know, warrant, you know, a third person being at the table. It was just, it was a little weird of a start, but hey, you know, they're the pros. They got this. So Charlotte Flair kicked off the show uh she was in action against asuka and uh you know wwe typically they would start off their shows with like promos and stuff like that usually on monday night raw on smackdown what i've noticed is that they start off more with matches uh more often than not on smackdown um you know on raw they have more time to fill right you got three hours that you got to fill yes throwing a promo you know to start the night off um but you know, here, two-hour show, lots of commercials in it as well. You know, you do what you do with the uh, with the opening match. And it was a good opening match. You know, two really talented uh, women's wrestlers who have gone at it a lot over the years since, I want to say, WrestleMania 34, um, you know, where Charlotte ended Asuka's undefeated streak and won the championship. They've been going at it back and forth ever since then. We're already up to mania 39 headed into mania 40 so that's almost six years of you know back and forth there and they're never bad opponents for each other they always have this really good chemistry now oscar did this one really cool thing that i want to steal and i want to practice next time i go back uh, to devon dudley academy and that was she was in the arm ringer with charlotte and she used the rope she grabbed the rope with one hand and did a front flip and then 
uh, you know, reversed out of the arm ringer into an arm ringer of her own. Now, normally when I see that, I see somebody like, you know, roll on the ground. They do like the, uh, the front quarter roll and then a kip up and then they do that. I've never, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen it before, but this is the first time it really caught my eye. Like now that I'm training, I actually pay attention to like all the little stuff that I can try to pick up. And this time I ended up seeing that and I was like, whoa, that was, that was gnarly. I got to try that. So that was pretty cool. Um, so the next thing, uh, that happened in this match was damage control coming out and interfering EO Sky, Dakota Kai and Bailey coming out just to cause havoc. That is literally what they came out to do. They didn't care who won that match. They were not interfering on anybody's behalf. They literally just came out there to raise as much hell as they possibly could. Uh, it ended up being a no contest because EO Sky hit a springboard uh, drop kick on both competitors at the same time. If you've ever seen her do that move, you know it looks really awesome. So she hit them with that. Uh, and that was, according to commentary table, hey, it's a reminder of who runs this women's division here on SmackDown. It's Damage Control. It's EO Sky and, you know, Bailey and Dakota Kai. Of course, EO Sky having won the championship at SummerSlam and getting that big, like, face pop, they had to do something to, like, have her heal it up. And I really think damage control is going to be so essential for her because that language barrier is still there. Now, she does cut some promos, but that language barrier still exists. And because it still exists, they have to pair with somebody who can cut a English promo efficiently. That way she can kind of, you know, just do her thing, take the pressure off of her a little bit because she's so good in the ring. You don't want that to be the reason why she can't get a huge push in WWE. It's good to pair her up with somebody like Bailey and Dakota Kai. So next thing they did was show a video package of the tribal combat from SummerSlam, which I'm still very sad about, but I got my explanation at the end of the night. I don't know if I was satisfied by it, but it made sense. Again, we will get to that point. Make sure you stick around, okay? Make sure you stick around and we will get to that point. So uh, the next thing we have a backstage interview. It's Santos Escobar, who will challenge for the United States Championship tonight against Austin Fury. And he says he's confident and he's, he's going to win and da-da-da. And all of a sudden, here comes Theory. Theory attacks him from behind, uh, slams him on some equipment cases. There's an open one. He puts his leg into it and he slams the, uh, the top down. And those, those are not light. So, you know, them being able to pull that off, man, that has to take, like, you know, you got to be really purposeful with you know, where exactly the leg is in there to make sure you're not really hurting the guys. But they made it look very, very good. And, uh, yeah, Escobar was injured. So I have to see if he could wrestle later in that night. Another thing, right after this, another video package. This time from Karrion Cross. Now, I wanted to talk about this for just a second. Because I don't know about you guys, but the Karrion Cross video packages... He cuts, he cuts a really good promo. I do like his character. His character is good. His facial expressions, everything like that, super believable, super intense. I've been right next to him. He's a huge guy, right? So, like, he's really believable in what he's doing. Like, his, his role, I believe it. However, the problem ends up being he's just like early on Bray Wyatt when he first hit the main roster. He's talking all this trash, yet losing every feud. Like, at some point, he has to win the feud in order to justify what he's saying, but he never wins. He never wins. And tonight was no different. He faced off against AJ Styles, and he lost again. Now, the crowd was white hot for AJ. Good to see that he's 
you know, still really popular. And, you know, he hasn't consistently been in important stories lately, uh, but he's still very relevant. So that's actually very good to see for AJ Styles at this point in his career. By the way, his beard, beard gang, man, I'm right there with him, man. He's his beard is looking crazy now. It looks dark. It's full. It's like it's it's awesome. I love it. He needs to keep that style because he looks really really cool with that beard on i i i like it i like the look it's almost like a it's almost like Braun breaker down in nxt brought out that that big full beard you know jet black it it looks it looks pretty awesome it looks pretty good but again yes carrying cross lost once again and it's like okay dude you keep talking trash when you know it, it's it's one of those situations where, you know, ran into with, with Bray Wyatt. I, I don't know why they don't give him wins and stuff. Obviously, I'm not – I've never booked a show, so I, I don't really see what their vision is for him necessarily, but hopefully it will all be revealed pretty soon. Um, And next, we got another video package, this time for Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. Now, this is a thing that really keeps me from buying tickets to Raw and SmackDown, shows like this, because – a lot of it is stuff like this. Recap packages, lots of commercials, all this type of stuff. It's like, am I really getting, do I really feel like I'm getting my money's worth for like the two hours or three hours that I'm there? If like there's all these commercials, I don't know. Uh, I, I just prefer to go to the PLEs. I prefer to go to, you know, the pay-per-views, the premium live events. Like I was at SummerSlam uh, this past weekend and I had a great time. Not a whole lot of commercials. Just start the show. Cool. Wrestling match after wrestling match after wrestling match. It was great. But, you know, I've gone to plenty of Raw and SmackDowns, too. And it's just like, it's just too many commercials for me, I think. that That's all. That's the only problem I have with it. You know, the show's a quality, but it's just too many breaks. Uh, so the next thing that would happen in this is Edge. Edge is here live, as you guys know or maybe don't know. Next week is his 25th anniversary of his WWE debut. So he's officially, as of next week, been in WWE for 25 years, a quarter of a century. That is amazing. That is a blessing. That is just absolutely tremendous. Something that a lot of us can only hope for. You know, I mean, he started off pretty young. I'm 28. I'm not really expecting 25 years uh, in the ring after this, but. You know, it's it's really cool seeing somebody like Edge who, you know, his career being cut short back in 2010 was a tough pill for all of us to swallow. And then for him to come back the way that he did, um, you know, 10 years later, it was really, really special, man. Really special. Um, I never thought I was going to get a chance to see Edge wrestle. Um, I, I didn't, you know, I went to my first wrestling event in 2009 survivor series 2009 but i believe he was still injured he saw that achilles tear at that time um he didn't come back until a few months later at the royal rumble so i never got to see him because my next show that i went to wasn't until 2011 after that 2009 show um so i, I thought i was never going to get to see him wrestle and then lo and behold you know here he comes back in 2020 and uh COVID happens so, you know, he wrestles at WrestleMania, but nobody's there to see it. And then after that, he comes back the next year and he's in the main event. And it's in Tampa, you know, um, at Raymond James Stadium. And 
I just happened to live down here in Florida at the time, two hours away, and I'm like, yes, I'm going. And I get to see Edge wrestle for the first time. I get to see that entrance with Metalingus, you know, for the very first time live. And it was really, really special uh, seeing Edge perform. That was amazing. There's been a lot of wrestlers that I've seen perform. I've seen The Rock. I've seen Triple H. I've seen HBK. I've seen Edge. I've seen John Cena. I've seen The Undertaker. The one I have not seen is Stone Cold Steve Austin. I don't know if I'm ever going to get to see that. Uh, But, you know, hey cross my fingers one can hope but I've, I've just about seen everybody else so you know I'll, I'll take it uh, if I can't see Stone Cold Steve Austin I will be sad but you know that's life you know you're not going to get to see everybody but he uh brought out Sheamus and you know they, they started telling a little story back and forth um and they're going to wrestle next week by the way for his 25th anniversary and Edge was basically explaining why he wanted it to be Sheamus now we didn't a lot of us didn't know this. I didn't know this, but Sheamus apparently was instrumental in Edge getting back into the ring. Uh, apparently, he motivated and inspired him. Uh, Sheamus has those Celtic workout videos that he does on his YouTube channel. Apparently, Edge was in one of those, and Edge decided to put Sheamus through mountain biking. And as they're going mountain biking, Edge wipes out completely, and... After that wipeout, he says he started thinking to himself, if I can do this, if the world has seen me do this, why can't I get back in the ring? And that's when the light bulb went off for him. And then uh, when he started training for his Royal Rumble return in 2020, uh, he asked Sheamus to come and train with him. And Sheamus did that, you know, uh, every day uh, for a while they were training and Sheamus helped get him ready. And, uh, you know, he just has profound respect and love for the man. Uh, didn't know that they were friends, had no idea they had a relationship. But, you know, that's that's why it's nice to hear these stories. It's nice to hear um, things like this explained and, um, you know, kind of peel back the curtain a little bit on some of the the human side to these characters and, you know, the things that they go through and the things that they, you know, help each other through and stuff. It's, it's really awesome. It's really awesome. Uh, so the last thing we're going to go over before we hit our first break of the day is L.A. Knight. Yeah, L.A. Knight was out, and he got a massive pop. Now, okay, there was supposed to be this brand split, but if you guys haven't noticed, the brand split did not last very long. It seems to be over already. People are already appearing on different shows. I don't know what's going on. I don't really have a problem with it either because I don't care about a brand split. If I can see L.A. Knight on Mondays and Fridays, I want to see L.A. Knight on Mondays and Fridays. And guess what? I just saw L.A. Knight on Monday and Friday, so I had a good week. Yeah! So, you know, it's pretty awesome seeing him here. He wrestled top dollar. Uh, you know, he still has that rivalry going with Hit Row. He's been dominating it, but he still has it. Now, here's here's the, uh, here's the thing we got to talk about. Michael Cole. Michael Cole. You just had to rap. You just had to rap. He didn't even rap. He's, he said he was going to rap, and then he, like, rapped, like, two lines. That's not a – you got to do four. You got to do a quartet. Those are the rules. You got to do a quartet, okay? Now just put up three fingers. Quartet, four. Four lines. Four. Those are the rules. I didn't make them up. Hip-hop did. And we're celebrating hip-hop's 50th anniversary. How dare you, Michael Cole? How dare you, Michael Cole? You have, have – 
you have just absolutely disgraced hip-hop tonight, okay? Terrible. Absolutely horrible. But you know what? I'm going to give him a pass. Because again, I met him. I love the man. He's amazing. He's such a dad. He's so corny in the best ways possible. And I'm so glad that he's also on my television Mondays and Fridays. He has been just completely different. Just completely on fire on commentary ever since Triple H took over uh, and gave him a little bit more wiggle room. You know, I, I, I've heard um, you know, a lot of stories about like the voice of God that Vince McMahon is in the headset and, you know, how that can kind of affect your performance on commentary. It looks like maybe Triple H doesn't do as much of that. Maybe, you know, obviously you're still going to get producer instructions in your ear. But maybe, uh, you know, Triple H isn't as, like, hands-on with the commentary team. He just kind of falls back. I don't know. There there has to be some kind of difference between what's happening uh, with Triple H and what was happening with Vince. I don't know what that difference is specifically, but Michael Cole has been a lot better. And I'm not the only one who feels that way. And I thought he was pretty good before, and now I just feel like, man, he sounds like he's really having a lot of fun. And I'm happy for him because he deserves it. He's a great guy. I swear, if you ever get to meet Michael Cole, I really like him a lot. I'm serious. That's that's one guy I really, really adore. He was he was really awesome. Uh, so LA Knight wins the match uh, with the Blunt Force Trauma. Still a pretty good name for his finisher. Uh, he cuts a quick promo after, you know, with everybody saying LA Knight. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he walks off to the back. So L.A. Knight gets another win, picks up his momentum. And I just wonder what's going to be next. You know, I I was hoping that L.A. Knight would uh, be the one to challenge for the U.S. title. Because I thought that would be a great match to put on SummerSlam. You know, of course, they, they had that battle royal, the Slim Jim battle royal, which I know they made a lot of money off of. So I can't really say that they were wrong to have that instead of something different but man i would have loved to see la knight versus austin theory in that spot and with the u.s title on the line everybody going crazy wanting la knight to win and he does in front of fifty nine thousand. that would have been amazing it would have been amazing and i'm a little bit biased because i was there right and i would have loved to see la knight win that title live you know i was there in 2011 tlc 2011 in baltimore when zach Ryder won the u.s title and the entire place went crazy. Woo 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 was insane at that at that time. He you know he had gotten the Internet Wrestling Championship over, and you know Zack Ryder was on fire. He had basically created his own push, and they gave him that win over Dolph Ziggler. And I'll never forget that night because everybody went nuts. It was amazing. It, first of all, it was a great match. It, it was probably Zack Ryder's best match uh, in his WWE tenure. Um, it's not really hard to have a good match against Dolph Ziggler you know but he did his thing he he wasn't getting carried the whole time he really did his thing and um, you know the crowd responded to it so that was really really awesome to see right there so we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back it's a U.S. title match but not the one that you think we keep talking about the Street Profits and what they're gonna do with Bobby Lashley and finally we get our explanation for Jimmy turning on Jay at SummerSlam in Tribal Combat. You stay right here. We'll be right back. Manifest Wrestling Podcast rolls on. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back 
to the Manifest Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, once again, Alfonso McCree Jr. That's A-L-P-H-O-N-S-O-M-C-C-R-E-E. And you can bet on me. And apparently, you can bet on the Street Profits because they are teaming up with Bobby Lashley and now they are looking to take their careers to the next level. They just had a bit of a heel turn last week, interfering in that tag match, attacking uh, unsuspecting victims, and now it looks like they are going to move into something that positions them to be better suited for maybe not the main event, but a higher level on the card. And, um, you know, I'm all for it because I love Montez Ford. I'm still trying to kind of figure out where I stand on Angelo Dawkins, but I can see how he's still trying to not come into his own, but, you know, kind of find his place along Montez Ford because it you, you, you never want to get labeled like the Janetti. It's it's like a you know, it's like a bad term nowadays with tag teams, but like he's in that position where if they were to break up today, I don't know how far Angelo Dawkins would go. And it's not because of his ability, it's just like are you connecting to the fans the same way that Montez is? Now Montez has a great connection with the fans. Every time he comes out, when he was doing like a bunch of singles matches, he was doing great connecting with the crowd. When he did uh, Elimination Chamber before WrestleMania 39, he had a great performance. The crowd was absolutely loving him. It's very clear as day Montez Ford is a future main eventer. The question is, how? What, what's the ceiling for Angelo Dawkins? And that's, I think, what we're going to find out with this whole storyline here. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens with that. I'm excited for Angelo Dawkins. I feel like this is a great opportunity for him. And uh, Montez Ford, obviously, push that guy to the moon. Come on, just push him to the moon. Push him to the moon so we can acknowledge him because he's awesome. He's great. So they had like a little backstage vignette thing where, you know, they just kept talking about, oh, you know, hey, we're going to take over. We're, we're here to dominate, stuff like that. Nothing too significant, but just a reminder, hey, this is happening. So next was our United States Championship match. And before the entrances, uh, Adam Pierce is backstage in the doctor's room with Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar, and he asked Santos, look, man, I just want to make sure you're good to go. And Santos is like, yeah, I can go. He's noticeably limping. Of course, he got an equipment case slammed on his leg. I dare you to try that and see if you could go wrestle after it. Probably could not. Uh, so, you know, he, he says, yeah, you know, I can go. So he uh, starts making his entrance first. He is noticeably limping. He can barely even walk. It's crazy i'm like how is this man going to compete in this match this is wild so out comes theory and he attacks santos from behind during his entrance and now santos is really hurt santos is just like oh my leg oh and so out comes the rest of the lwo led by Rey mysterio zelina vega not there we will talk about that in a second why she's not there it's a very very unfortunate story but uh, Rey Mysterio's out there, and Santos clearly can't go. Austin Theory's like, oh, I'm so sorry, Calgary. You're not going to get to see me wrestle. I really wanted to wrestle for you guys, and now I can't wrestle. Just healing it up, you know, just just being, just being Theory. And Rey's like, you know what, Santos? I got you. I'll wrestle the match. I got this. And Santos is like, go for it. Go get him. So... Adam Pierce comes out, and he's like, Theory, you're not getting off that easy, bud. You thought it was. You're going to wrestle a match 
against Rey Mysterio for that United States Championship. So it's now Rey Mysterio versus Austin Theory. And Rey Mysterio, man, that guy is still quick in his 40s. This man's almost 50 years old. He's almost 50, and he's moving like he's moving faster than I am in the ring. It's crazy. I got to step my game up, man. There, there's only one Rey Mysterio, man. I, I always feel bad for any masked luchador that comes into WWE because the immediate comparison is always Rey Mysterio. You know, you, you see the mask and you immediately think Rey Mysterio. And I think what they're doing down in NXT is really smart. You know, don't ignore it. Don't ignore the fact that, like, you know, the mask is synonymous with Rey Mysterio. Pair him up with Rey Mysterio. So that's what they did with Dragon Lee down there. And he got a, a pretty good rub. He didn't win the North American title on Tuesday from Dominic, which was the right decision because Dominic's on fire. But he still got that, that Rey Mysterio rub. And that's that's never a bad thing. So, Rey Mysterio versus Theory. Match is going on. This was a very quick match. And the ending came when uh, Rey Mysterio delivered a 619 to the lower back of Austin Theory. Kicked him into the rope again to set up for another one. Goes for the 619. Austin Theory catches the legs. Goes to uh, put him up on the shoulders to go for the A-Town down. But his lower back gives out because he just got 619 in it. Rey Mysterio kicks him back into the rope. Boom, 619. Uh, sent on and one, two, three. Rey Mysterio is your new United States champion. I didn't see this one coming. I really didn't. But now it makes me wonder. When he got hurt in that match against Santos Escobar, was Rey Mysterio originally planned to win that match? We will never know. But they did a really good job of still building it. Like, they meant to do Santos versus Theory. So I don't really know if that was the original plan. I love when WWE doesn't make it obvious. And it wasn't obvious. I had no idea. And I did not think that uh, Rey Mysterio, <laughs> you know, I didn't predict Rey Mysterio was going to end up as champion at the end of the night. That I did not see coming. That was crazy. Um, but hey, congratulations to the Hall of Famer. He deserves all that and more, man. Rey Mysterio has been around since I was a kid. I'm 28 years old now. I am 28. And the first game that I remember playing as Rey Mysterio on was SmackDown Here Comes the Pain, which I believe was around like 2003 that that came out. So it's been 20 years. It's been 20 years since this man stepped foot in the company. And uh, he's still going like this. He still looks this fast, this quick, this strong, this lean. What can you say, man? He is uh, hes one of the greatest of all time. He's the greatest luchador of all time, hands down. And, um, yeah, man. Just, I, I'm I'm appreciating every second I still get to see him on my television because he's hes special. He's very special. Uh, seeing him gets older. Seeing him get older makes me feel kind of old, though. You know, it's like, oh, man, where did my childhood go? You know, years go by fast. They really do. They go by fast, you know. Appreciate the heroes, the legends, and all of them while they're still in the ring, while they're still around, while they're still alive. You know, it's a uh, eh, it's a special industry that we're fans of or that we chose to be a part of. And when you you know have guys like Rey Mysterio around it, man, that that's really good for the business. A good human being, um, and an exceptional, exceptional performer in that ring. 
absolutely tremendous. Glad he won the United States Championship. Congratulations to Ray. And so that led us to our last segment of the night. It's the Bloodline Saga. Now, we got to talk about these Roman Reigns entrances. Now, look, Roman Reigns started making his entrance with about 25 minutes left in the show. He got down to the ring with the second fireworks display going off with about 19 minutes left in the show. (laughs) So a six-minute entrance, something like that. I might be a little bit off, but it was long. It's reaching, it, it, it's reaching Undertaker level lengths at this point. It, it's it's getting up there. So, <laughs> like, why does it have to take so long? Stop looking at the crowd and get in the ring. But anyway, I love Roman. It's fine. It's fine. So we come back from a commercial break, and Roman does his usual. And he tells Calgary to acknowledge him. They oblige. They do just that. And Roman turns to Paul Heyman. Came down to the ring with Paul Heyman and Solo Sokoa by his side. Solo, that's the interesting one because Solo did take a spear at SummerSlam. Just got to remember, planting seeds. You, you already know that's just a situation waiting to explode right there. But Roman asks Heyman, hey, where's Jimmy? Paul's like, Oh, I haven't seen him all day, but I did speak to him this morning. And as he's saying that, Jimmy appears from under the ring. From uh, behind Roman, Solo, and Paul. And he's still wearing that same outfit that he was wearing at SummerSlam. Bandana, the hoodie, white shoes. You know. And uh, he starts to make his way into the ring up the steel steps crowd is chanting at him, you sold out, you sold out, you sold out. Jimmy looks disgusted and bothered by what the crowd is chanting. And he gets in the ring. He has a microphone in his hand. And Roman looks very, very pleased to see Jimmy. He's like, hey, Jimmy. Hey, man, you know what this is. I owe you one. I owe you one. You helped me retain my championship at SummerSlam. Jay had me beat. Jay hit me with the splash. You know what you know what happened last time Jay hit me with that splash? I did not kick out. I did not kick out. I lost. I got pinned. And it was about to happen again. But you saved the day. You pulled him out. You super kicked him in the face. In front of 59,000 people, including Alfonso McCree Jr., who was heartbroken, I heard. I heard he was heartbroken. Because he had to acknowledge his tribal chief. But oh, you want, man? What do you want? You know, do you want a, you want a new car? Do you want a boat? Nah, nah, forget that. Forget, forget the boat. Do you want a yacht? A jet? I got you. I'm Roman Reigns. I can do it all. I'm the tribal chief. Whatever you want, I can get for you. Cause I owe you one. And Jimmy looks at Roman and says, "What I did at SummerSlam had nothing." to do with you oh oh so now the tribal chief is irrelevant in this well a little bit well jimmy says it has nothing to do with roman but 
we learned in a little bit, had a tiny bit to do with Roman, just not directly. But out comes Jay. And he looks upset. He is not happy. He's not. Jimmy and Jay come face to face, and Jay says, I'm about to flush 34 years down the drain if you don't tell me why you did what you did. Of course, they're twins. They've been alive for that long, and that's what he's referring to. He's about to flush all that down the drain. And Jimmy says, I did it because I love you, Jay. Now, Jay looks confused, as does everybody. Jimmy says he was afraid of what would happen if Jay became the tribal chief. He didn't want the Usos to be over. He didn't want Jay to become like Roman. And he calls Roman egotistical, maniacal, manipulative, a liar, an a-hole. says, Jay, I could not live with myself if I allowed you to become what our cousin has become. Decent enough explanation. Decent enough. You know, you could you could have just sat down and had a, a conversation about this. No. Pretty sure you got Jay's number. You're twins, after all. Could have called him up and been like, hey, man, look. I already know Solo's going to turn up on Saturday. Just know I'll be there. But when you win this match, just know. You better not let it go to your head. Or I will be there. I will be there to keep you in line. I think that could have been something that they both agreed to. But instead, Jimmy showed up at SummerSlam and kicked Jay in the face in front of 59,000 people, including the host of the Manifest Wrestling Podcast, Alfonso McCree Jr., who was heartbroken because he had to acknowledge his tribal chief. So, Jimmy says, Jay, if you want your lick back, you can have it right now. You can kick me in the face. I don't mind. I don't care. I will take it. I'm sorry. Jay refuses to do it. Jimmy gets out of the ring. Starts walking towards the back looking very disappointed. Heartbroken. And all of a sudden, Roman starts opening his mouth again. He says, oh, Jay, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. You're too much of a hothead. You're too emotional. You weren't ready to be the tribal chief. And now look at you. Now look at, oh, that's the sound of Roman getting kicked in the face by Jay. Jay super kicks Roman. Solo attacks. Starts to go for uh, that good old um, Umaga tribute of his. And he hits a super kick as well. And now Roman's back up. Roman's back in the ring and he Superman punches Jay. Yes. Now Roman's like, you know what? I'm going to teach you a lesson. Ooh. Ah! Goes for the spear. Jay gets out the way. Boom. Super kick. Off the ropes. Boom. Spear to Roman Reigns. Jay stands tall. 
Jay picks up a mic. He gets out of the ring. He stands uh, on the side where the entrance ramp is. He's like, Jimmy, come back down here. Come on. Come on, get back down here. And he opens his arms for a hug. He opens his arms to hug Jimmy. Here comes Jimmy back down the ramp. He goes to hug him. And then, boom, Jay super kicks Jimmy, knocks him out. Knocks his teeth down his throat. He's out cold. Here's the shocking part. Jay looks at the camera. And he says, I'm out of the bloodline. I'm out of SmackDown. And I'm out a WWE. Whoa. What you mean you out of WWE? How many weeks are you going to be gone before the inevitable return? This story gets interesting. I just have to wonder. You know, I think obviously they eventually want to do a Jimmy versus Jay match down the line. If we've seen, if we've truly seen the end of the Usos, and um, you know, Jimmy is obviously just without a partner now, and Jay is gone. Do we see Jimmy now challenge? For the championship. I don't know. See that's the great part. I don't need to know. I don't need to know every little thing. That's going on in these stories. Or project every little thing. That's going to happen in these stories. I should say. Because that's the best part. I don't know. And I'm grateful not to know. Because at the end of the day. The fact that I don't know means that I get to find out naturally, just like everybody else. And this story has been great for three years. For three years, this story has been great. Ever since Roman Reigns came back at SummerSlam and speared the Fiend, this story has been going. It has been three years. And this story continues to grip on the hearts and minds of the WWE Universe. And I need more. I need more. I was initially upset that Jay uh I was initially upset that Jay did not win the championship at SummerSlam, but I have to say if it keeps this bloodline story going and it adds more elements and if the ending is explosive like it should be, I will be okay. I will be fine with it. So I'm going to continue to follow this story. I'm going to continue to be patient with this story. And I'm going to continue to allow it to develop. And I'm just going to sit back, relax, because I don't run creative. And I never will. So I'm going to sit back, relax, and just enjoy the story that WWE is trying to tell. But just know, I am Team J. J needs to be the one to the throne Roman Reigns. And if he isn't, I'm going to be upset. And I, I'm... I'm going to tweet about it. And me me and my friend Mark, we're, we're going to stop watching. But make sure you don't stop watching and listening to the Manifest Wrestling Podcast. This has been the first one that we've done in audio and video. I hope you guys enjoyed it. For now, I'm Alfonso McCree Jr. 
That's A-L-P-H-O-N-S-O-M-C-C-R-A-E-E. Junior, and you can bet on me. And you can bet on yourselves. Thank you to the fan, the aspiring pro wrestler, and everybody in between for listening and watching this podcast. I will see you guys in the next episode, which will be our Raw review. Coming to you live on Tuesday. Not live, but alive by the grace of God. It will be on Tuesday morning. Make sure you tune in. I will see you guys next time. Stay blessed.